Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 45 of the show. Today's guest is truly part of Kim and I's extended family. She is the one and only Grace Cavadlo. Grace and I had an awesome chat talking about tattoos, comic books, calisthenics training, leading workshops, being pregnant and how that's had an effect on her training and uh, coaching in general. So I'm very excited for you to hear this one. But before we hear from Grace, let's hear all about me because I'm power tripping. So August 12th, DVRT workshop, Brooklyn Health and Performance. Now this is only a $99 workshop right now at the launch price and it's four hours and it's sort of a greatest hits of the DVRT program. And it will prep you for a DVRT cert. And the price of the workshop can be applied to a DVRT certification. So Josh is going to be in New York in October. I'm going to be in Boston in September. So come and take the workshop. Can't lose if you're even thinking about taking a certification. It's only going to help you prep for that. So come out for that. Speaking of which, I mentioned... September 22nd and 23rd, I'm going to be teaching a level one and level two at MSC Strength. Thanks, Tina and Tim, out in Boston. And on September 16th, Original Strength will be pressing reset at Mark Fisher Fitness Bowery. Come, It's always fun to be at MFF, guys. That's home away from home. I'm part of the launch crew of that place. Uh, I love getting to go back. And then the RKC Kettlebell Certification, the next one I'm teaching in the United States in New York is going to be Saturday, March 2nd, and Sunday, March 3rd in the city at Momentum Fitness. Thanks, Marco. So that's what's going on with me. I want to give some shout-outs to right now. Happy birthday to James Newman, former guest of the show, or prior guest of the show, and one of my dear friends and people that I really rely on in this industry. Happy birthday, James. And also, congrats to past guests and old friends of mine, Artemis Ganilides and Eric Gahan have gotten married in Hawaii last week. So congrats, really happy for the two of you. And uh, I look forward to getting out to Vegas to hang out. So that's enough of me and that's enough of them. And let's get on to Fury and Grace. I wanna learn how to do that. Come on over. All we need, all you need is a, a place to let bells fall I was going to say, it has to be like in the grass outside, right? Yeah, you know, I know that like I've messed around when I was at Five Points with it. And I'm just, you're always worried about like wrecking mats. And it's, you know, you want it to not bounce. And I don't yeah. think people like, you know, it's like, do you remember the first time you ever saw a kettlebell fly out of someone's hands? It's been a long time, but yeah, but, totally. but it's like way more dramatic usually it than is. you think it's going to be because the bell's not like a ball. It starts to roll, but then it hits the handle and then it goes in another direction. And depending on how strong the person is or the weight of the bell, there's like a lot of velocity in that. Um, and with juggling, you know, people are like, since I started doing those videos, uh, I've gotten a lot of like, oh my God, that makes me nervous. You're going to don't drop it on your head. It's like, it's never near my head. Yeah. Like it's so easy to uh, just step away or to the side. Uh, I mean, it's, it's in front of you and it basically comes straight down because you're mm -hmm. projecting it pretty much up or across. Yeah. So you just step away. So that's never a fear of mine. The bell just thuds into the ground. Now, if I was doing that anywhere with a, with a mat or uh, a harder surface where it could bounce up, then like I, I probably wouldn't be representing that <laughs> on, on camera. <laughs> you just like watch like some videos and you were like learning that technique through there or you learned from somebody or no so i did learn from somebody so that gus peterson guy? gus peterson is yeah. the man and his wife karen so uh listeners if you're not aware of who gus is 
Gus is, was former RKC leadership, and he has a whole series of DVDs, um, uh, CAT. I always forget the actual, uh, what that, uh, an acronym stands for. Mm-hmm. But um, I had seen that he had done workshops, my buddy Mike Connolly in Chicago. Mike had him out twice. Mike and I were actually talking about this the other day. And then we brought him out to Five Points, where we went down to the, you know, along the river on the Lower East Side. And we just had like a small group of like nine of us spending a, a day out in the sun in the city along the water playing with kettlebells. Ah, oh, sounds awesome. And it is one of the best times I've ever had in terms of like a fitness experience, both as a coach at teaching one and being an attendee, because there's the only goal is to try to land a trick. And as a skateboarder and a BMXer, like who the fuck can't relate to that? uh and and suddenly at the end of that day and you're you're doing lighter kettlebells um okay but at the end of the day you don't even realize like you know at the end of an rkc everyone likes to say like oh you know you just did like you know three thousand swings or whatever (laughs) you don't have any idea because you're just playing trying stuff but you're putting out like crazy volume work capacity that's the best way to work out man (laughs) it's the it's the missing it's the missing link it really is you know like if you can gamify stuff People don't realize how hard they're working. Like tell people to crawl for two minutes and then have them play or have them play a crawling game for two minutes and time flies. It does. So, you know, the juggling thing, Kim and I in our last place, which I don't think you guys ever made it to, um, which was only nine blocks away. We had like a really shitty backyard that the landlord had let fall apart. Kim and I did what we could to clean it up, but it had this like former garden that was basically like an unfixable dirt pit like so it was perfect for juggling yeah um so i used to do some there and then when we moved here we've been here for like three years now and i always felt like where am i gonna go there's no place around here and then suddenly i'm like you know why am i like not just going to where the dogs go we call it marty field our dog marty who's no longer with us that's where he used to go to the bathroom so um why don't i just do that i'll just clean the bells and wash my hands right like i'm not gonna lick my fingers while i'm kettlebell anyway (laughs) So I started going out there and it's been like a really eye-opening experience in terms of uh, goals and how I want to train myself and how I want to start training people. But yeah. Gus, Gus gives you this great workshop and I, I got to find a way to bring him back out. Uh, yeah, I'd be interested in taking that. I've seen his videos, but I, I didn't even know he had like workshop or like like informal videos, like stuff. Yeah, like the, the thing and the and, thing with Gus is, if anybody's even mildly impressed, and you shouldn't be by the stuff that I'm I'm putting up there, like I'm like <laughs> I'm like you know beginner level A, right? Like if you're playing a video game, there's easy, and then there's beginner. Like I'm in easy mode. Um, <laughs> Gus and his wife can do these things that you're just I. I I don't know how. And when you're looking at a balance of strength training, that's both coordination based and strength based and has that incidental cardio of kettlebells involved in it, it's kind of fucking awesome. Yeah. So I got to figure it out. I am going to do, and this will be the first time I publicly announce this. I am going to do some sort of a two hour intro uh, to juggling probably in prospect park before the end of the summer. I have to kind of put the details together and, um, Kim and I found that if we started early enough and if we can get parking close enough that it's not going to be a nightmare to haul the kettlebells there. Yeah. And uh, if everybody meets up and unpacks the car, 
We know there's a spot now where I do That's the part of the warm up, right? Yeah, where I do my boot camp, and then you know where now I do a boot camp once a once a month at Prospect Park. Now, well, that's where we'll go and do the bells, the so, body weight one, right? Yeah, it's just a body weight class, like a body weight version. That's um, cool, man. A, a big thing too this summer is I want to be outside more, you know, because I don't train at a gym anymore. I train at home. Yeah, and I want to feel, you know, I want like more. Superman. I want to observe uh, absorb the Earth's yellow sun. Dude, yeah, it's good for you, man. I miss training outdoors. I mean, I've been like spending only because I'm just overheating so easily these days now. Well, <laughs> let's take a moment. We've been talking a lot about Jalen. Let's take a moment to talk about you. So explain why you're overheating because you have the best reason in the world <laughs> to be. I'm over- about eight months pregnant, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Cavallo on the way. It's true. Yeah, I'm walking around with like 20 extra pounds and I am exhausted. And usually I love the summer. I'm like a summer person, you know. But uh, now I'm just kind of like, I take a couple steps and I'm just like, I'm really tired. Like I haven't, I actually went to Tompkins Park recently for Al and Danny's boot camp. And uh, usually I'm like, yeah, I'm having a blast. And now it's kind of like, I'll be the one taking pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's totally understandable. I think, uh, you know, the two seasons in New York um, for pregnant women, I think are the, that are the sketchiest. It's it's the summer clearly, uh, especially the end, you know, the end of the term, because it's like, holy shit, it's just hot. And you're sweating and you're carrying like, you know, an abdominal weight vest. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. And then the snow always sketched me out because, like, my, you know, my ex-wife, when, when she was pregnant, she broke her ankle, slipping oh. in the rain. Oh, my God. Uh, while, like, pretty far along. Oh that stuff God. also, when you see pregnant women in the snow, I'm always like, oh, shit, don't fall. Concerned. People are yeah. concerned for me when I'm walking down the street. They're like, they're like, ooh. Like, I've gotten a few, like, oh, my God, I feel bad for you. You're pregnant in the summer? And I'm like... Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, it's really weird what people say to you sometimes. How are you dealing with all the the fucking weirdness of people wanting to like, are you getting all the people trying to like touch your belly, like unasked, you don't know, all that craziness? I've gotten a lot of that and a lot of like people like in the middle of the street, like predicting what it is. Like the other day I got into an Uber and this guy goes to me, he's like, oh, it's a boy, right? I'm like, no, it's a girl. And he's like, oh, you wanted a girl? And I'm like, dude, I am a girl. (laughs) Yeah, okay, I wanted a girl. A lot of unsolicited advice more than the touching. Maybe because I just look kind of freaky and people are kind of like, you know. I guess the touching thing in in and I mean again these, these folks when when I mentioned like the Me Too movement there's a lot of positive things that are happening outside of like a heightened awareness of like maybe I'm not going to go up to a strange woman a stranger touch. Uh, and touch yeah. their pregnant belly like that's a good benefit because I'm like that is like the weirdest fucking thing let me break your private space. Right. And touch the most important fucking self-conscious part of your body right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I sit in the subway just like, you know, hands over just in case, you know, like uh, starting. <laughs> are, are people being relatively decent and giving you the seat more often than not? You know what? Yes, lately. But the first few months, I guess I wasn't showing as much. Um, and it was hard to get a seat. I had to wear like, on purpose, I would wear like the tightest thing and so that I own. <laughs> It's so true. I can get a seat. Like I'm a big train sleeper, and so like you know, I I pass out. I have like carpalepsy. Whenever I'm in a movie, people <laughs> I pass too. out. Just out. And you know, sometimes you do that like half wake up, and you see somebody, and you're like, I don't know if she's pregnant or not, <laughs> or fat, right? <laughs> yeah, or fat. Like there is that, right? And you're like, 
I don't want to offend her. Totally. I don't know. And I'm really tired right now. But you generally <laughs> like, you know, you offer up, right? Totally. So if you, you make the face and you're like, hey, you want the seat? And if they're not pregnant, they're kind of usually like, no, nah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, but if they are, they're like, oh, my God, thank God. <laughs> I will admit, though, it has been more ladies that have been giving up the seat than guys. Dudes suck, especially yeah. now. Like, they'll put the headphones on and, and fade just not down. See I'm like, dude, you have them in your ears, not over your eyes, you know? And it's all an act. They're just trying to, like, <laughs> I'm sleeping harder now, right? Like, they, <laughs> their eyes start squishing up even more. It's like, I can't open them. I can't see you. Totally. It's like yeah. having a fucking uh, a vampire or something in the room with you. If you keep your eyes closed, it's not there, right? Right. Like, I mean, I'm guilty of using the headphones, like, just because I don't want, like, to avoid conversation on the train. Like, sometimes I'll just put them in and, like, not even have them plugged into anything just so people can be like, oh, she's busy. She's not well, <laughs> trying to respond to people right now. You have the double whammy right now of being a highly tattooed, a heavily tattooed woman and pregnant. That is, yeah. like, people, like... You know, Kim gets it all the time. Like, people love to talk to the tattooed ladies, and it's kind of weird. It's also weird for me because she gives me shit too. Like, Kim has more tattoos. Listen, Kim, my wife has more tattoos than me. But like, when we walk around with our like, you know, it, it doesn't look that way out the gate. But people be like directly to Kim in front of me, like, "I love your tattoos," and I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> that happens with me and Al too all the time. People are always asking me about my tattoos and they don't even as if he's like not even there like as if he doesn't have any tattoos you know yeah it's funny i will say this though and you got to give your artist a shout out on this like your latest acquisitions since over the last couple of years are some of the, like the most <laughs> stickered on perfect tattoos i've ever seen who's who, yeah, who you work right you. now yeah i had that john mesa's great and uh people the guys that know idols tattoo are great and uh, at Red Baron Inc., man, they just kill it, dude. Like, I was, I, I went there specifically because I was just like, you know, when I first started getting tattoos, you just get tattoos just to get tattoos. Yeah. You know? And then now when I started, like, really, like, investing in tattoos, you know, I'm like, I want somebody that's, like, now Instagram is basically just filled with, like, my feed is, like, calisthenics. It's, like, bodyweight people, kettlebell people, tattoos, and now pregnant people. But <laughs> <laughs> You can filter them out eventually, pregnant people. Yeah, but, I, you know, I think it's worth it. I mean, now especially, I want to have, like, really nice stuff, you know, that just, like, you look at it and you're just, like, like, Al always used to say that. He's like, I like a good tattoo. Is like something you could see from, like, across the room and know exactly what it is, you know? So, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's interesting. Even, I know that I would try i mean i've been getting tattooed since 90 so mm -hmm. it's fucking old as fuck <laughs> and uh you know even the good tattoo artists then versus where everything has evolved now it's it's night and day it's um it's, it, it's bizarre what we're capable of you know yeah. I, I wouldn't think that i've ever seen a tattoo like say uh uh lion cat mm. uh, uh grace has a tattoo from the comic book saga of this character lion cat which is awesome but it literally looks like somebody ironed on that tattoo he's amazing Dave. and i don't think like you know an artist of even that level could have done the same thing back then and more and more i'm looking at my arms now and you know uh, i'm having this weird realization of my age and not in a bad or negative way but like i could see more and more where the color's just out for like the second or third time where i've already gotten stuff retouched because it's yeah. decades old at this point i'm kind of <laughs> like I'm not going back. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, you rather just get a new one than have exactly. to go and get, like, something fucked up, you know? Like, I'm like, eh. Like, I look now, even now I'm, on my new ones, you know, I still see some stuff that I'm like, it just didn't heal right or it scabbed off. And I'm like, eh, I could go back and have them fix it or just, 
have him do a completely new piece so I could forget about it. <laughs> I've got the Kim bust my chops because I have two now. Like, so I, I had three sessions in on a full back piece. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Before I had my son and before I made the career switch. And, you know, I took a pause just to like, you know, focus on Ben. And then I switched careers and suddenly I didn't have the money to invest in the back piece. Well, you know, Ben's eight and a half now. And that <laughs> tattoo is not only not finished, I'd say it's like 70% there, but it's also now all faded. It's, uh, it's eight and a half years or almost nine years now because I, I stopped before he was born, faded. And for me to go back now, like that's like a thing. But I yeah. never thought I'd be the dude with unfinished work. And now I'm getting this Godzilla tattoo on my shin. So we go, Kim and I go to Alex McWatt over at Three Kings in the, in the Lower East Side. And I got to get my ass in there to finish that up because it's like 80% done. I only got like two more hours left, I think, on it. And the two more hours is actually the only tolerance I have left, I think, for a sitting these days. Right? Oh, my God, I know. I, I get way more sensitive every time I go back. I didn't even know you had a back piece, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not like, I'm not like the complete, like, like Al and Danny, though. I don't take Just my shirt off that much. <laughs> um, maybe when I finally nail a, a flag... Maybe <laughs> for that. Is the guy that tattooed your back still tattooed? He's still in the city. Yeah, man. Dave um, Dave is awesome. Dave Wallen of uh, Eight of Swords, Grand Avenue. Uh, he's awesome. He's a great bass player, too. I've seen him play in a few bands. Um, I just... It's all like money. And it's weird because I'm like, I don't have money. And then I'm like, oh, the Godzilla wall behind me. It's just like, <laughs> where my priorities shifted for a little bit. And... Uh, I, I do need to go back and eventually, I'm not going to lie. There's a hesitation for the pain. Cause like you said, it hurts more and more every time we, I want to go and more and more the places I want to get tattooed are going to hurt even more regardless. Cause like, I want to get the tops of my hands, like you and Kim got, I want to get my yeah. neck. Um, I want to finish my back. And then I'm not quite sure from there. The back is brutal, man. That was, I feel like one of the few tattoos that I ever actually like, cried during like I remember being there and like just sitting there and like Al being next to me and I'm like just weeping dude and I'm just like this is brutal brutal and I remember I hadn't sat for a tattoo in like years before then before I got this one I got this one like right when I moved to like New York I was like looking for an artist it's, it's the Medusa right because you, yeah, you and Kim were getting Medusa's basically at the same time. Like you yeah. might have had overlap of sessions without even realizing it. Yeah, and uh, and it was a triple cover up too. So he had to put a ton of like just dense black. And now they use these like needles that there's like ten needles in one gun. Yeah. yeah, and it just felt like just somebody was just like scraping my back. And at first when he told me I hadn't sat for a while, and I was super cocky. I'm like, yeah, I could sit for like five, for like eight hours, no problem. And he's like, great. I think I sat for like four or five the first time and then slowly started dropping to like three <laughs> and then like just like sessions of like two and a half three hours and I was just tapping out man it's brutal it's brutal yeah it, it's uh, the longest sit I've ever had was six hours on one of my arms and the arms I can do I can sit all day for I, an I don't hour. think I could do that now <laughs> now I'm like and then when I was doing my back I'm like three hours three and a half hours and then I came to this very quick realization that like you know what two and a half and now I'm like two and I'm done like I'm just I'm just shot I'll come back but it's hard um it's hard as a trainer sometimes to think or at least I find it where like you're trying to recover yet you have to move to demo stuff or yes. like you know um 
we, you have the opportunity like I do to go teach courses where you, you have to also not only demo or, or help out, but actually like lead the room on occasions. And sometimes like that, like second weekend heel that's taken a little longer or like just feels like that fresh sunburn scab and over. Yeah. It's not always pleasant. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah. Now I try to like seasonally just kind of like session, like schedule my tattoos, you know, because I'm like, what am I going to be doing? Is the heat going to be affecting it? If it's in the winter, you got to be like taking clothes off and putting on layers and it's going to be rubbing against it. So it's like, I got to like really strategize, but now I don't got to think about it at all, I guess for a while, but (laughs) you're set fall and spring are the best because you can kind of go with like a t-shirt and shorts or pants without having to layer up. But you're also like, now I'm like, I'd love to go and get something done. And Kim and I actually might get some sort of a, a matching thing for our anniversary this Cute. month. But like, you know, you want to go swimming, you want to go to the beach. Not the best idea with a fresh tattoo. It's not. Yeah, Al and I started getting anniversary stuff. We got, we had the diamond one was our first one. And then we want to do like a Keith Haring type of little heart or something for our next one. Yeah, I forgot yeah. when we got it, but we got, we both got Brooklyn on our wrists. Uh, I, um, I didn't notice that you both had that. Yeah, it was, it's adorable. It is adorable. <laughs> yeah, we're still together. We didn't jinx it or anything. So we're thinking about getting something else soon. Um, let's shift gears off of tattoos for a little bit. So right. let, let's, uh, we haven't even officially announced your name. Hey, everybody, this is Grace Cavallo. I'm here, Grace, Diesel Grace in the house. Um, <laughs> let's talk about how we met. So my memory of you is like we were like social media buddies um, that didn't really know each other. And then were you already with Al when I first met him at that Memorial Day barbecue? Or did that happen like kind of right after? We were together already. Well, I know I was visiting him. Had I moved here yet? I don't know because it was cl- it was all close because I know my joining Dra- Dragon Door in the RKC was around the same time, so that was like May twenty fourteen. Okay, no, because I moved here in August, so we were doing like a long distance dating thing at the time, just kind of okay. going back and forth and everything. Yeah, that was after PCC, so May was like the first time that I came out here. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's when we officially met. God, I forgot about that. I thought it was that year when I moved here or something, or we went to, like, a birthday thing for you at a bar or something. Oh, that might have been. That might have been. I think you might Maybe you're right about the barbecue, too. Oh, my God, I have the worst friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's weird. Hold on one second. I'm just going to check my Wi-Fi real quick. Good, we didn't cut out. We're still good. Um, but I remember initially... You're, you're, through social media, there was a lot more kettlebell and yoga stuff going on. And then, yeah. you know, I think the PCC for a lot of people was pretty eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Was that stuff that you were really, like already into or did that something that like post the workshop just went down the rabbit hole of it? The PCC stuff? Yeah, like, more, like being more like calisthenics based. Yeah, for a while. I mean, I was just doing, like I said, I started off with yoga and then I transitioned into doing kettlebell thing. I did the HKC and that's when I really got like hard into like doing that and reading all the Dragon Door books and learning about the community. And then, yeah, I I think I injured myself. Yes, I injured myself when I was actually preparing for an RKC certification. It was before you guys had like the 31 pound bell. (laughs) (laughs) I was following this program and they were telling me like, oh, you know, train 
with one bell higher and which was a 35 and I was like basically going to train with the 26 with the 12 kilogram bell so and I just that 16 kilogram was such a huge jump for me and my technique wasn't like you know boss yet <laughs> not that it is amazing but <laughs> it is now I've seen you <laughs> it's gotten better it's gotten I've seen better. you Grace went through the time I was a mess so I look back at videos and I'm like I thought it was hot but I was like okay no wonder I got all jacked up <laughs> I think a lot of us like go back on stuff and you're like what were we thinking like sometimes I feel like I need to purge my YouTube channel and then I'm oh, like God. yeah I'm just gonna leave it there it's all growth <laughs> right but, um, but I hurt my back doing that and I was like really bummed. So I started going back to doing yoga and like, and then my friend um, showed me Al's videos. He's like, hey, maybe you should consider adding in some calisthenics in, you know, while your back is healing up. So while you put the weights down for a little bit. And then that's when I was like, oh, this guy's really cool, you know? And I started looking at videos of him and uh, videos of him and Danny and then picked up comic conditioning, picked up pushing the limits. And I was like, this is the bomb, <laughs> yeah. you know? And I, I loved it. I just thought it was great. I started getting stronger again. And that's when I started working on my first pull-up, which I had never been able to do in my entire adult life or even as a kid. And uh, once I got that first pull-up, I was like, okay, I need to take this workshop, you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just got really into it, you know? Um, and then when I met them, they had a, a, like a like a two-day workshop in Pasadena, not a, not a PCC, just like their yeah, own right. independent workshop. And that's the first time I really got to meet them in person. And I was like, dude, these guys are awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and yourself included. The, the one thing, so I, I actually knew you through social media before I met Alan Danny. And I've known Annie and I have known each other for a really long time. And it's very cool as, you know, we're all part of the family, but like, you know, the, the, the actual family, you guys are like, it, it's such a good group of people between the four of you and like, you know, like Carl and Rosalie, like the parents and everything, like, <laughs> like folks, like we go to like, you know, holidays and shit together. Like we were just at their baby shower and it's just like a solid group of people. So what's nice is, and this wasn't as much a thing when I met Alan Danny is, you know, social media is such a part of being a fitness coach now. Like, I think we were all, we were all trying to write blogs and stuff. But like just social media in general, this awareness and potentially false awareness of who we're trying to be versus who we are. And I just got to say, like, you know, Grace and Al and Danny and Annie, like they're like legit who they are. Um, if you see a picture of Danny that seems more aggressive with the scowl and <laughs> Al looks more chill when you hang out with them, like that's how that's, that's how they are. Who they are in personality. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's really something most people strive for but don't know how to accomplish. And I think that's one of the big takeaways when people go to a PCC course is they see how genuine everyone oh, is. Oh God. Yeah. Um, and, and, and fucking funny too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I was seeking in a way, you know, like before like taking the PCC and even before I took the HKC or, and found the whole dragon door community and all you guys, you know, I had my first intro to like strength training was like, the CrossFit community. And those guys are all super tight too, you know, like we were doing stuff together and I had never really had that kind of, like I had the yoga community and then I kind of drifted away from that. And then I, you know, found, I got into CrossFit for a while and then I was like, well, these people are super tight. And then when I stopped doing that, you know, that's kind of what drew me to you guys, you know, drew me to Dragon Door and like, just like that camaraderie and like that, just like genuine, like authenticity and like just I mean, a little bit of weirdos too, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I was like, dude, I belong here. This is great. All these tattooed, like <laughs> super positive people, like super strong, you know? And it was just really inspiring. And I was like, oh, this is exactly like where I need to be, you know, where I can grow and 
you know, find like a family. So hell yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting how, if I think about it now, how much the RKC has changed over the last, you know, f- six years now since the split, seven maybe. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the PCC was clearly like, a, a, had a massive positive impact on Dragon Door as a company. Like it's just that as a, even if it wasn't Alan Danny in particular, but like it was just the right thing with the right people mm-hmm. to hit at the time it hit. And uh, I think it definitely helped open the doors to like, again, we didn't have to deal with so much of like trying to represent ourselves as like a militant militant first responder type community um, where we could just kind of be ourselves and like, this is what we do. And, you know, this is how we're trying to help. Um, That was very cool. And that's one of the reasons why I reached out to him initially when I came on board, I was like, now, guys, I don't want to repeat the story again, but like, I just, I got a I got the gig at Dragon Door and I knew of Al, Al would train at my friend Keith's place, train people out of Keith's place, Nimble Fitness. And, uh, you know, I'd heard of Danny and we just had mutual friends, but never met. And it was like, literally just like I messaged him and we, they invited me over at the, the family over to a barbecue. Mm-hmm. And now we've gone to like four or five of those barbecues. It's only the four or five. I feel like it's been like a million already. That's like 2014. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Time it's is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other cool thing about, I think this was actually the more shocking thing uh, about Grace was I forgot if it was like on Instagram or something, but we had met and hung out a few times, but I didn't know you're a comic book nerd. <laughs> you know, yeah. A goon tattoo. <laughs> and I think I replied with a picture of my goon graphic novel collection. Oh, word. You did, <laughs> and, and that fucking blew my mind. And yeah. I went and picked up a bunch of saga trades on your recommend. Great book. Isn't um, it? Was it Brian Vaughn, right? Is Brian the author in that? And, and for those that aren't, uh, aware of Brian Vaughn. He ended up being one of the writers on Lost, uh, but he has a book called Why the Last Man, a comic book that probably I would put in one of the top five, you know, it's a series that officially ended when it needed yeah. to end. I put that in one of the top five all-time runs of a book that went from beginning to end. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. so good. And there's, there's still talk about that becoming like a TV show, which I think would deliver really well um because preacher is actually pretty freaking solid too it and is i yeah, would put that as the face. top yeah beginning 10 series ever garth um, ennis man he's the man <laughs> you know what here's the thing though and i don't want to disrespect garth ennis because i'm a super fan but sometimes he's so over the top on too many topics on too many books that you're like eh. it's like yeah. oh it's so garth ennis of you right now <laughs> but when he's brilliant He's brilliant. Like, I got my Punisher tattoo after his run. Punisher Max? That was the best. Yeah. People don't remember how shitty the Punisher got um, to the point where they discontinued the book, and then they brought him back for a while in Punish the original Punisher Max, where he was like an angel. Like, he was brought back from, like, hell or heaven to be like yeah. a – he had like a, like a specter gun type thing. <laughs> um, and then Garth Ennis really took it – brought it back to, like, his military roots and, and – just did a, a crazy long really good run on it what's yeah. some other comic books that you're really into that m- most people might not know only the hardcores would know huh. i mean let me see i mean i've just been reading a lot like just going back now and reading like old school stuff like i've been reading i've been trying to get into like uh i like jeff loeb a lot and tim yeah. sale i've done a couple of stuff together like they did like hulk gray that was like one of my favorites and like old school stuff like i like not super old school but like um kingdom come with like alex ross yeah beautiful that book is just beautiful to just like look at you know 
Um, what else have I gotten into? I mean, I read like a lot of like uh, horror comics and stuff. Like From Hell was pretty good. Did you read oh, that? Yeah. About, I didn't like, read it. I, I, I hate to say I feel lame. I saw the movie of it. <laughs> I couldn't. I did not like the movie as much as I enjoyed that book. Um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Is I love that. Great. Yeah, Alan <laughs> the Moore. Movie that was, was whack, but <laughs> I oddly really enjoyed that movie. I, I don't know I, what it was. Maybe I should rewatch it again, but I, I did mean, not like it. <laughs> don't get me wrong; it's not great, but mm-hmm. and it doesn't live up to the book. But there's some fun. There's some fun underneath it. I'm trying to remember the director that I believe was the director of the first Blade movie, which oh, is really? outstanding. The first Blade movie is like so good. Hell yeah. And I, I heard there was like a lot of like studio interference on that movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. It's interesting with the kids. I'm trying to, Sadie got really into comic books, into Thor in particular, because they had Lady Thor. Oh, Jane word. Foster became Thor. Mm-hmm. And then that run ended and the book stopped with it. And But she has no interest in going back to get trades like i got into the x-men so i went back and i got the trades of like you know the the dark phoenix saga yeah uh, you know that whole storyline with the aliens with the brood you know oh, yeah. uh what was it the shar uh the the like the battle one the two space races i'm sounding I like such a poser right now but mm-hmm. um <laughs> she, she has no interest she's just like ah oh, maybe when another book comes up I'll have another Yeah, book. I mean, you know, it's funny. My first comics that I ever got, I was actually just thinking about this today, was, I remember my sister gave me, it was like a Beavis and Butthead comic, <laughs> a Ren and Stimpy comic, and like a Barbie comic. And I remember just being like, all right, these are random. And then like, I didn't really read comics again until my, like a couple years later. And then my friend was like, oh, you got to read, I think it was Watchmen. And I read that one and I was like, oh, this is, and I kind of like rekindled something, you know, and then I read V for Vendetta. And then that's when I found League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And then again, I had like a gap where I didn't read anything for a while. That's probably when I stopped exercising too, I think. I just had like a <laughs> little whack time. <laughs> and then when I started working at a comic book store was when I really started like reading more, I'll say more books and stuff. Pride is also really good too from Brian Vaughn. Yeah, I actually have it. It's, it's one of the only books I have autographed. And really? it was one of the first, like one of the first five co- New York Comic Cons. Right on. And I, I, I think I asked him something dorky too. Like I think you <laughs> might say, you know, with love from Brian K. Vaughn or something <laughs> like that. Like, I'm sure they'd expect that. Something me, dorky. Would be me asked. and my buddy Dave Moore, we would go and get hammered while we were there. <laughs> and I think I was pretty lit up by the time <laughs> we got to him. It's very different for now this was before the kids so <laughs> now it's like one year i go and i'm respectable and then the <laughs> other year i go and i'm a mess i think um yeah. i, I haven't gotten a lot of stuff autographed i think i met garth ennis and i he autographed he wrote he wrote a book called like i think it's like red rover or something about like dogs and the apocalypse that was pretty interesting and and then I met Eric Powell. That was like, you know, my yeah. jam. <laughs> I'd like to meet him too. He did some Godzilla covers for those. Yes. Ugh, his art is amazing, dude. And his writing is out of this world, man. I really, I just, I love reading his stuff, man. He, his reading those, the goons really would just kind of like amped everything up. Like took my whole like obsession with comics to like another level. I was like, cause I never really saw like an artist and like a writer just, at the same time, you know, like putting out books and stuff. So Fables but, is good too, by the way. Yeah. Folks, if you've <laughs> never heard of the Goon comic book, like I highly recommend it. Uh, it's Dark Horse Comics. You can yeah. get the collected editions. And it starts out like where you're like, oh, this is just sort of like a campy, hard, noir type thing. But then as it goes, the story actually has so much heart behind it. 
as it goes deep that it's just really worth I don't think I'm as I don't think I'm up to date though. I haven't bought one in a while, so I have to. He stopped to... doing them. Like he stopped doing like putting them out random ones. I think I might be like, missing alternate stories like Chimichanga, and he did like a Jesse James type of one or something, and they were like, all right. <laughs> but you should check him out. Uh, the director David Fincher apparently uh, has been trying to make a feature, an animated feature, out of it for years. There's actually like a promo trailer you can hunt out if you Google it. Yeah, it's just one of those properties that not enough people know about, but those that know, like, will you know, would die for it more or less. Um, so who, who knows? One day, like Walking Dead was that. Walking Dead was just like a cool zombie comic. Like I have. If I ever misjudged a comic, like I had issue one, first edition, first printing, first release, and I just let friends borrow it because I'm like, they like zombies, like here. <laughs> I got it and I sold it. I eventually sold it for a little bit of money. But like, nice. if that book was like straight, went straight into a bag and board, they go oh, for $20,000 right now. That's crazy. Yeah. But no That's one cool. knew. No one knew. It's interesting. Yeah. Now, like as we're talking yesterday, this is where uh, folks were recording this on a Saturday, yesterday, Friday, uh, Steve Dicko died, who is co-creator of spider-man one of the most one of these like uh for anybody that grew up in the 70s and, and, and 80s in particular like your vision of what a superhero looks like or comic book art looks like is largely to, in my opinion from steve Ditko. like i know everyone talks about you know jack kirby as the king yeah. but you know that's kind of like a generation before me steve Ditko and like john buscema and those guys those that's what i think of so it's funny that comic books are just like very fresh in my mind right now because just looking at some of his artwork after hearing upon his passing, but he was like 90. Wow. Uh, All right. Hopefully pretty well off. Cause <laughs> if anybody doesn't know a lot of these Marvel cats, like Stan Lee's like bathing in money. And a lot of these other cats got Jack. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> Man, those contract players, right? Like that's really what had happened. They were working for hire and, you didn't get the ownership of any of those rights. Yeah, no, they got screwed. Yeah, it's messed up. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I'm glad the medium is still out there and they're still trying to pump out new stuff. And I find like new people every once in a while that I'm like, all right. Like I'm always trying to Google, like I'm always tempted to go back and like reread stuff that like I should have read back in the day and like I just missed out on. But now I feel like I should be supporting, you know, the new wave of people kind of coming through, you know? But, it's, uh, it's interesting to see how it's evolved. Like there's yeah. been some very cool small comic book shops pop up and Midtown Comics in the city on the other end of this would be in a big comic book shop. Like there's something there for everybody. Yeah. I just wish like we're literally going to Ant-Man tonight, Ant-Man and the Lost tonight. I want to see it. And, and I just, you know, it, it, and I've said this on the show too, it just fucking bums me out that like the movies are these billion dollar industries. Like, pretty much everything Marvel makes is either hits a billion or close to a billion dollars. Yep. And that comic book shops can't stay open because no one's mm-hmm. supporting the actual source medium of this. And even if it's going to apps, and I know a lot of my friends, like, I, I get they take up space over time, but there's also no collector value in a digital file. Right. Um, I, I really wish people would go and, and buy their books from a shop. Yeah. You know, because like, you know, every now and then I can't find something in the store and I'll go on Amazon if I can't find it in the store, but I always check the store first. And the price differences aren't that much. And folks, we really have to like, and, and I say, this is, hits as a, as a fitness coach too, because say, say Grace and I own a gym, right? We're never going to be able to compete with like a crunch. No. Right? Because we're going to be small. So you know what? Our profit margins, our price is going to have to be a little higher because our profit margins are going to be smaller. So we're making probably still less than the big places. Uh, and that's not a diss on crunch or anything, but it's just like yeah. the reality of it. So 
you're destroying all possibilities for small business in some ways. No, it's true. I mean, I worked at a comic book shop and I remember so like I. every time it was actually one in LA um, that was right on like Universal Studios City Walk. So of course, like anytime like a big movie came out, all, you know, everybody was just running in there just to get the toys and to get like, but nobody was buying comics, like actual, like the, the issues, you know, which kind of made me sad. I was like, don't you want to read the actual books? And they're like, no, we just want the toys and we just want the statues and like, you know, the busts. And I'm just like, all right, okay. So we, for a while, we had to stop like, like bringing our, our, our like ordering so much because we just had a ton of stuff just yeah. back stock sitting there, like just gathering dust. And I was, made me sad. <laughs> yeah, it's the weirdest thing. I worked at one in Long Island and for a little while after college. And it's just, you know, it had gone through several iterations and locations within my neighborhood. But, you know, there's, I think there might be only like two left within like a 10 mile radius of my folks' house when there used to be like 10. Yeah. Um, and, you know, everybody like even back in like, you know, the early 90s, everyone was still like, you know, the action figure thing became a really big thing where when they started re-releasing Star Wars figures uh, as mm -hmm. Power of the Force. I remember like we had friends at the Toys R Us. We'd go to Toys R Us, rest in peace, Jeffrey, um, with like <laughs> the hard to find C-3PO figure and we put it in our comic book case and then comic yeah. book stores became almost as much about the toys and then you had to bring in Magic the Gathering cards and then you had to have Pokemon. You had to have all these other items to try to make a profit. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things, you know, if we bring this again back to fitness, I think that's one of the things where so many gyms, I think, struggle because they're trying to be everything to everyone versus just owning the niche of who you want to be, right? Like, that's true. Um, I mean, there's survival strategies, but then maybe that's not the best business model to begin with if you have to have a perpetual survival strategy. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, just, I mean, Marco, when he finally moved um, Momentum Fitness to 72nd, you know, I don't remember seeing any gyms on that block. And all of a sudden there's like three or four gyms popping up, you know, and like, there's like an orange theory fitness and then there's like the Equinox and then there's like another Equinox. And it's just like, you know, it's kind of hard to uh, kind of compete between all these people just jumping with like the, the class pass stuff and just kind of like gym hopping now and not really being loyal to like, you know, any one kind of brand it's just kind of like all right I don't know I've never really liked that I'm always been such like a niche person you know which is why like I like just like what I like you know I like kettlebells I like calisthenics you know and yoga and that's what I specialize in you know and I people think oh maybe that's like closed-minded to like think that way but in a way it's just kind of good to have a specialty you know like be like hone your craft but like something you're really good at, you know? <laughs> I, I, com I completely agree. Like, so, you know, like I'm in the same way. So the, the, the main elements of my uh, fitness training philosophy, you know, and how I program, I mean, I use a bit of everything, but it's like, you know, kettlebells, DVRT sandbag stuff, um, original strength for movement restoration, Indian clubs and whatnot, you know, and I use barbells and, and obviously PCC stuff, you know, um, I went through that and, it, it takes me a while to be like, what am I going to try now? And mm -hmm. A, like, is it applicable? Is it for me? Or is it for actually going to be perpetual, potentially for client use? Yeah. And then mm -hmm. what's the dollar value attached to it? What's the risk factor attached to it? What's the space factor attached to it? Um, you know, so the, the, the big thing for me right now is after hanging out with my buddy, Ben Marvin, who has been on the show, I've, I've not only bought one mace, I got three steel maces now. Nice, dude. And I've been playing with that and I, I get it now, right? So like, I'm glad I entered that and now I'm not going to go buy a bunch and teach a mace class. <laughs> but I think it's good to like, you know, push the edges of some stuff. It builds off of Indian clubs as opposed to just trying to find some like random thing. 
or I think what happens in fitness too much is we, we try to, uh, when things come in trend, mm-hmm. suddenly everybody's going to this course yeah, and then you don't hear about it 18 months later and then everyone's going to the next course. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'd rather just try to get really good at, I'm not that smart or, the, you know, like I don't have like that, that natural ability. Uh, I'd rather just focus on getting really good at some stuff. Yeah. It's like when I started Muay Thai and I was never very good at Muay Thai, but like, you know, they offered other martial arts there and it took me three years of being at five points before I tried Kali. Cause it took me three years to feel like I had even like a shitty beginner baseline and that's not <laughs> on their instruction. That's us on me. Yeah. Um, and I feel like fitness can be a lot of that where we can overcomplicate stuff too quickly. Agreed. Martial arts is tough, man. I tried to, I remember going to a, or signing up for like a gym, but only because they had the lady that ran it was like a Muay Thai fighter, like super pretty well known, I guess, in the community. She went by Roxy Balboa. That's <laughs> and, a great name. <laughs> and uh, but then she was also really big in a kettlebell. So half of it was like a kettlebell gym. And then the other half was the Muay Thai. And I was really just signing up because I wanted to just do more kettlebell stuff. But then she's like, well, if you sign up, you can also do the Muay Thai. And I was like, okay I'll try it and I remember just I couldn't like I just I didn't the, the I couldn't really I don't know martial arts I might I don't have the brain <laughs> for it or like the coordination for it but I remember doing like one class and I was just trying to figure out how to wrap my hands I couldn't <laughs> wrap my brain around that and I was like you know what I'm good I'm gonna just take your kettlebell class but this was awesome thanks you're inspirational but yeah martial arts is tough man yeah I'm not good with like on the fly really quick like oh this is my left and this is my right you know when you're thinking like opposite hands and feet and stuff i'm i suck at that so i struggle with that for a little bit and then there was some mobility stuff that like was not great for me uh but i miss muay thai i i need to find the opportunity to go back um and just work on that again i miss the outlet of it right on um if you were to open a gym tomorrow what 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 do you think it would be really just Probably like it would look like a big jungle gym, I think, you know, like an indoor jungle gym with some kind of like, uh, I hate using the word like ninja warrior stuff because I know this, <laughs> but I would like it just to have like just stuff to climb on and stuff to jump off of, almost like a parkour type of, you've been to Brooklyn Zoo kind of. You know what? I haven't actually. Ben's uh-huh. been there once and I know Danny goes there, but I haven't, but I've seen video yeah. of it, but yeah. Kind of like that, except for like the like the little smelly ball pit. That smells, so I don't like that. I would leave that part out <laughs> and just have like kind of like a gymnastic style type of, you know, like a big floor area, big jungle gym, and just some kettlebells. And I think that would be my jam, you know? That shit yeah. would be fun. <laughs> That's all the stuff that I really like. You know, those are all the things that I like to play with. Stuff to hang from, stuff to swing, and stuff to jump off of, you know? Uh, I do want to get back into doing, I did gymnastics for a while as a kid and I, I, I always regret, like as an adult, like not going back and taking some classes and some tumbling classes or something, you know, I think yeah. I'd really enjoy that again. <laughs> I, I realized without even how, you know, you know how sometimes like your training is so dictated by space yeah. and I realized I would do a lot more like rolling around and tumbling stuff and, and crawling at five points because they had the open floor especially in the in, in the original location mm-hmm. and then i realized that mff when it was smaller i, I like that stuff kind of just went away and i didn't even realize it you know what i mean like i have just some stuff disappears yeah. like i used to teach trx classes for years of five points and then i'd be like writing a class that has 
one TRX station, I'd be like, I can't remember anything that I used to do. <laughs> yeah, you just adapt to the, especially out here. That's something, I feel like in a way it's a good skill to have. You know, I went, like, especially like when I was uh, training people at like the smaller Momentum Fit. Did you see the original space? Or I've no? actually never made it over there. We're going to be over there in March for the RKC. Right on. Yeah, I'm excited for that. But his older space, like, there was barely even like overhead clearance, you know, and there was like five, just like having like five trainers, three trainers on the floor made the whole place like, just crowded but you know you just have to learn how to like work this one little space you know and I never really had to deal with that skill with, until I moved to like uh New York because in LA I was just I was training people outside or there was always like really big gyms that I worked out yeah. of and here it's just kind of like I think it makes makes you a better trainer though you know like having to like maximize a smaller space and I think it's just changed like maybe even reprogrammed the way I train myself you know I don't like I don't need to like I, I kind of like just like, all right, limited space, limited. I'll figure out what to do here, you know? I've got to like overthink it, I guess. <laughs> it, it's interesting how, especially in New York and in places where rent is so high and square footage is such a premium that like you really, it does dictate like how you teach a class, how you run a class, how you oh, do yeah. a session or a small group. Mm -hmm. um, there was a moment when I was looking actually to train out of a gymnastics place in Brooklyn. And, you know, the amount of space that they had you know, I don't know how much lifting we would have done at all versus like what you said of like, you know, like rolling around, crawling around, pulling stuff, battling ropes. Um, you know, uh, I did John Brookfield's barrel training cert, which uh, I think on one hand sounds like, what the fuck is that? And uh, no idea what that is. one of this most amazing things when you think about fitness, like you literally fill up a barrel with a lot of like a, a lot of sand or water, you hug it and you move it, you pull it, you rotate it. Whoa. Uh, partner drills and it, it, you're not picking it up off the ground because it's hundreds of pounds of water or sand and I just got this amazing workout with like no, not a whole lot of coaching needed because you're fucking hugging a barrel like <laughs> you know you don't have to worry so much about like where are your hips in line with your knees and that stuff you're hugging a barrel um that like if I had the room to do that here it would definitely be in it but I just don't um and if I had more space, it'd be interesting to see how this evolved. Yeah. It would be more play-like, playground-y, jungle Jimmy, almost like farmer work for real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One, <laughs> one real day. functional yeah. stuff, yeah. But the new space, Momentum, the new gym is great, by the way. He's got a lot of floor space for training, tons of kettlebells. And then he's got, like, the back, like a, like a monkey bar set with, like, a ton of pull-up bars and... It's a really great space. It's a big graduation from the last space. So oh, that's awesome. I'm very happy to be there. <laughs> are, are you guys going to be doing a PCC there? Um, the only problem with that is we cannot because there's not enough overhead clearance for a muscle up. Oh, yeah. We would be able to do everything else. He even has like a Swedish ladder where you could do like human flags off of and everything. But the one thing that he was, and he has like a ton of pull-up bars, but it's just not enough. It's literally like probably like this much space, like maybe like a foot of space from like the top of the bar to the yeah. roof. So it would make muscle ups a little harder. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty common problem, actually. I'm training yes. somebody for the next, uh, where is the next NYC PCC? Is it Crunch again? I think it is, yeah. And my, my uh, Brian, who I think went through your RKC. Yeah, he did. McMaster. I don't well, know if he's on your China. And then I think the next one's in. Sorry. <laughs> the next one's in. But uh, he's training for it. And he, he doesn't have the headroom for a muscle up either. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, even at Crunch, they had the, the space, but we were using the, the Dragon Door pull-up bars there, um, which, is, uh, which is fine. Yeah, they're a little light, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but 
it's uh, it's tough to find the space that you need. That's the thing with that, that assert. You know, you have the pole. This, you know, you gotta have like the vertical pole or something to like flag off of. But we've made a lot of like crazy things work, man. Yeah. Like I see now and Danny just like look at a space and, all right, we'll get these two barbell racks and we'll figure out how to flag off here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so they're they're very versatile when it comes to uh, troubleshooting those kinds of things. But let's talk about the PCC for a moment. Now that we brought it up, and I mentioned my buddy Brian who's going through it what what is what is if somebody's going up say they got four months to prepare uh for pcc for folks uh progressive calisthenic certification for those that aren't aware yeah uh, it is a three-day calisthenics course two days now two days now <laughs> just like there is two days which is is great um it's a super fun, knowledgeable course. You know, sometimes you take a course in the manual, especially on a 3D one, and the manual has like, feels like it has 20 pages. And this one's like a Bible. So it's <laughs> with a ton of info. And at the, end of the at the end of the thing, you have something called the Century Test, which is 40 bodyweight squats, 30 push-ups, 20 hanging knee raises, and 10 chin-ups or pull-ups in eight minutes, was right, total time? Yep, eight minutes right? or less. So if someone's looking to sign up for that, and for women, it's basically the same um, with the exception of you're doing a, an Aussie pull-up, which is like an inverted barbell row. And a knees-down push-up. And knees-down push-up. Push mm -hmm. um, what would be uh, some training advice? Well, let's start from a, a male perspective. Like, so a guy's coming through. What would be some common things you see people suffer at when they're there that would be a good piece of advice they're prepped for? I mean, I think I would definitely suggest uh, really taking a look, like being objective about their form in just the most basic exercises. Because I feel like a lot of people, when they come and they see the curriculum and they're like, you're going to learn human flags and you're going to learn muscle ups. And they, they, they start to think, oh, I got to prepare for all these flashy moves. And really, it's the basic stuff that's going to prepare you for those flashy moves. And that's the whole point of like, you know, like the, that's basically what we try to like hone is just the fact that the basics are what gets you there and people kind of like bypass that they think oh i can do a push-up oh i can do a pull-up i'm like but can you do a full range of motion pull-up like do you lock out here at the bottom because we're very particular about the form and after two days well it used to be three days of intense calisthenics you have to be able to do those moves, you know, and like with good form, with proper form. And I think a lot of people kind of like brush it off like, oh, that test looks so easy, it's so easy. So I would definitely suggest preparing for the test and like filming yourself doing it and like watching your every rep and making sure that your tempo is good and like, you know, that you're, you're, you've got those basics down, you know, and the other stuff you can learn. We're going to spend two days just talking about those stuff and you're going to be able to like talk with Danny and Al about it and they're going to be there to help you with the more complicated stuff. So I would definitely say just get really good at those basics, man. And practice that century test, I, you know? I, I think that's awesome advice because I think, and I think I was prepared for it a little bit because I'd gone through the, you know, the strong first body weight cert where, you know, at a kettlebell cert, you're basically should be able to do everything presented at a, at a kettlebell cert, right? Yeah. Like you're going to be able to swing, get up, snatch, whatever. Like it's part of the curriculum. It's part of the test. You come in prepared enough. Once you get into like calisthenics or gymnastics, things are very different because there's going to be a huge array of skill levels, strength levels, mobility levels, where not everybody's gonna be able to do a non-loaded uh, pistol squat. They're gonna need the counterbalance. Like, 
like this guy talking. <laughs> um, I've never done a muscle up, you know, um, certainly flags. Like, so when you go to the course, no one, I very, I mean, some people were able to do everything, but that was probably like the minority, I think, are actually very able to do everything. Small. But it's yeah. presented in a way that allows you to try and find the right version. So you're playing within the context of the course, as opposed to feeling like, crap, I can't do anything. You're actually still figuring out the things you can do. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I, I would agree with that. Like getting strong at the basics and probably working on your mobility, mm-hmm. probably huge, especially hips and shoulders, obviously, like oh, big. Yeah. big and maybe spending some extra time just working on your grip strength. And like when you're doing all the pull-ups and stuff, you're getting that as well. But like grip is a huge one. It really is. Um, and you know, you're going to get the opportunity to practice all those other moves, you know? Like when I went to my PCC, I could not do a flag. I couldn't do a ton of moves, you know? And it's, I didn't even, I thought I would be more frustrated with my lack of progress. But if anything, you're just, it's the the community and everybody there's just like so everybody's so encouraging it's just a great group of people that are drawn to taking a cert i mean you know you've been there yeah you, you came and you're awesome energy <laughs> and <try>. um <laughs> and it just felt like um you know no one's judging anybody you know and you're just there to like practice and like we mentioned earlier you know like fitness should be something fun that you do not just like something that you're just like, oh, I need to be the best at this or otherwise, you know, I'm just going to have a horrible time. And it's not that kind of, we like to foster a more encouraging, a positive environment. And uh, yeah, but don't, don't take those basics uh, <laughs> for granted, man. No, it, it's, it's, it's also, if you're going to the, the, you know, something like the PCC, you got to remember, like you might be a kettlebell beast man or woman and feel real strong solid tactical pull-ups you know i did the fingers like the quotes tactical pull-ups <laughs> um but then you're actually going to have somebody that's like a gymnast oh my god at yeah. a calisthenics course that's gonna you know smoke you no matter what however strong you are because they just have a different base different skill set so like you can't I, I, unless you're literally like an Olympic level gymnast, I wouldn't necessarily go and I'm going to show them. Right. <laughs> Just go and trying to learn. Cause that was one of the shocking things. Like you never know who suddenly someone was like super gifted at the stuff. And I don't mean like it came easy. We all have to work hard for that stuff, but some people are just phenomenal. Oh yeah. Um, some people are just built to do it. You know, obviously like some people struggle with it. If you're like taller, people tend to have, you know, a harder time with certain moves There's a bigger range of motion. Not that it's impossible, but you know, as opposed to someone that, just is a little more compact that they could just kill at everything, you know? So, uh, yeah. But it's cool to see, like, different bodies attack the same moves, you know? Like, I, I learned so much from, like, a coaching perspective of, like, how to coach different bodies, you know, to do all these same moves, you know? So... You, especially yeah. when you get to see, like, step back and see five people going at the same time with five different Crazy. looks. And, and what's <laughs> cool is you'll also... You start to see the commonality for body styles, uh... And body types and where they're potentially failing at but yeah. also you know it's just like you learn how to troubleshoot something it comes so so much quicker it's like when um when i coach people up for a snatch test or i try to prep them for a snatch test even if it's like the day of it in kettlebell land i've seen hundreds of people test at this point right uh, and it's probably becomes a combination of the same five to seven things that cause people to fail yeah and it's just you know it's this i'm sure it's the same thing when you're watching all that aspect of uh the calisthenics things and i think overall balance and mobility come into a a higher need with the pcc than with the rkc or oh yeah 
anything. Like you can get away with, uh, and safely get away. Not like you're cheating with like an overhead press or a get up, but there's definitely some, some movements at the PCC where like, nope, you're going to actually need some pretty open <laughs> to be able to pull this up or hips. Sure. Or ankles in particular. I mean, yeah. Like that pistol squat, man. People don't think about their ankles a lot. They're thinking, oh, it's a squat, you know, glued to knee. I'm like, dude, you're, I was just coaching somebody through a pistol squat today and she's got a great squat in general. She squats all the way, ass to grass and back up again, no problem. But for some reason, when she did that pistol squat, she could not keep her heel down, you know? And like, she just had, so she's like, something. I was like, oh, it's your ankle. Your ankles are really like, she's like, oh, I don't even think about like an ankle even playing a role in anything like that, you know? So now we're like rewinding and working on ankle mobility stuff, you know, just to kind of get her there. But uh, yeah. yeah. Ankles is a funny one too. Cause when you go through somebody's injury history, they'll tell you that like they broke their arm or like, you know, severed their shoulder off or something. <laughs> uh, and, and, but they won't say that they sprained their ankle three times in the last no. four years or something. And, and, you know, even for me, I've been, through the emergency room a few times with my ankles from skateboarding and stuff. And, uh, you know, my feet are jacked in in a lot of ways. And I feel like it was only like a few years ago. I I should have known better. I'm like, that's why I need to counterweight or at least one (laughs) of the main reasons why I need to counterweight because I don't have active range of motion in certain spots. Like I don't have pain, but I, I, it's just not there. Um, Oh, original strength has actually helped gain a lot of that back. But you know, there's some stuff folks, like if you've like torqued your ankles out, it's not going to be like, like it was. Right. I remember reading somewhere that they say it's better sometimes to like break your ankle as opposed to like getting like, like rolling it or like spraining it. Cause they say like that ligament never really like heals back. It's, it just... I, think, I think it's a lot like that on a lot of the joints where a, a bone will heal and potentially be stronger as long as it's yeah. aligned versus the soft tissue, the ligaments and the tendons. Never it's really hard back. to get it to heal the right way. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, there's, that there's that whole, you know, in, in professional wrestling, it's like, you only have so many bumps. And I think with lifting, like you only have so much, you can push a joint before it just says, you know, fuck you. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, this is your time. And I've, yeah. I, feel like, I mean, I've had like legit accidents, accident skateboarding slams that have put me in the hospital for surgery. But wow. you know, I think even without that, there is just a certain amount of wear and tear. If you're training, um, you know, it's funny if you, are you in a Henry Rollins at all? Uh, not so much, but so, <laughs> I used Rollins. to read his column in the LA Weekly. That was yeah, great. so like, you know, Rollins wrote this great article, The Iron in the Soul for Details Magazine, where he talks about, you know, the glory of lifting heavy weight and how it defines himself and his character. You know, it's still a wonderful piece, but, you know, he's in his like, like mid-late 50s now. He doesn't train that same way. Yet for a lot of us, we still think that's the way to train to, you know, and I just think eventually that shit catches up not saying like get weak i I think sometimes it's just a matter of like actually how strong oh yeah i mean even when i when i first i mean i got into weight training a lot like later i feel like then like i didn't do it as like when i was younger i did it more like in my later 20s and stuff and uh i was all about when in the beginning was all about lifting the most weight and doing get up with the most weight and always just trying to like set a new pr and you know after i got humbled injuring myself you know and just kind of like being like oh that's what happens if I do this wrong or whatever and I don't know just the more that I started learning about different modalities like especially when I got into like calisthenics and they started like focusing more on like the skill of doing something or that one of the principles of progression you know technical tightening doing something even if you like 
a million times, but it, every time you do it, you learn something about it. You know, like that Bruce Lee quote about the 10,000 kicks and that's the guy you want to be afraid of, the guy who practiced that one kick 10,000 times, you know, because he like honed that and like made it perfect, you know, and I, I feel like now I get more from just doing the same thing over and like learning it like learning it and like getting it better every time, you know, and it's not so much about like, I got to get the most weight over my head, you know, and now, and I do feel it. I'm, I'm 33 and I feel my body's already like eh, <laughs> breaking down a little bit, you know, it's a little extra sensitive. I don't, you know, I'm not trying to like, you know, beat anybody or like be the best at anything, you know, I just kind of want to have fun doing it and yeah, just learn about myself, you know, they're doing something repetitively. <laughs> I think that's, you know, it's also that opens the door to find that like wonderful state of flow. Yeah. That in a lot of lifting, you don't spend enough time getting to do or the weight is just so heavy that you can't sort of shut off to do it. You have to be more present. But I think, you know, once you've spent, I don't know how many swings, you know, 10,000 swings, <laughs> you can start to get in that groove where they just... I'm not thinking technique so much anymore. When I swing, I swing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I always want them to be as good as I can. The juggling has been a fun part of that. Cause it's always like every rep, like, can I get it better? Right. Like doing a first time I did a kickflip on a skateboard. It was like ugly as all get out. <laughs> and then, you know, the goal is to get them consistently. How often can I get them? How smooth can I get them? Like how, yeah. you know, and it's the same way. And I think, uh, you know, pull-ups, muscle-ups, calisthenics allow you. There's also with calisthenics and, and Alan, Danny, and you guys do a great job of this too, is it's like this idea of practice and play yeah. as opposed to trying to like suffer through to make something happen. Like it's like, just keep trying and it might take two months. It might take two years, oh, yeah. but just have fun and try. And I'm really trying to find a lot of ways in my own training to do it. Cause and it's funny with my online programs for, for the online coaching crew, it's sometimes they're like, this doesn't seem like a lot. And I'm like, it's not a lot. Because like how many different movements do I need to put you through in the course of a day or a week to get you strong and healthy and, and to hit a goal? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and that's been really interesting because I'm, I'm super like sparse right now in what I'm choosing to do. Agreed. Agreed. The same like but it. different, you know? <laughs> and I have to say this too, just as an experiment on myself, I've been able to, I'm training for the first time in like probably four years. I'm training four to five times a week consistently I'm not trying to like force myself to make it happen. I actually like looking forward to working out because I've just found this sweet spot in terms of level of intensity, level of things that I have to focus on and are heavy and things that are, uh, you know, just fun or not fun, but like, I know can't hurt me. Like I, I started doing this thing. I call it Carrie Fisher and <laughs> folks like try this, right? Grab like a, a, a pretty light ish, moderate kettlebell one and go for a walk for 30 minutes with it. Ooh. So switch from suitcase to suitcase, rack, rack, waiter, waiter, and then back, cross sides. Just go for a walk with like a podcast on or something. I love go, that. Go outside <laughs> 20 to 30 minutes and see where you go. And it sucks. Like the first few minutes, you're like, oh, that's nothing. And then, like there's that sweet spot, like getting tattooed. You know, like the first like five minutes or the worst, I 10 minutes. I got this. And then you get in that zone, and at the end of the tattoo, you're like, I, I got to tap out. Like, it gets like that. But I'm not going to hurt myself. And yeah. it's an interesting way to build, like, I don't know, mental toughness, too, at the same time. Um, so anyway, it's just, it's one of those things where we're talking about, like, these modalities and play. I think things have gotten so over-specific that, you know, you don't make great art by adding, usually. You make great art by subtracting. 
That's true. No, it's true. Um, yeah, I, I like seeing that in my clients, you know, when, when they, they understand first, they're like, Oh, didn't we already like in the beginning, they're like, are we doing the same thing again? And I'm like, yeah, we're doing the same thing again. And they're kind of frustrated with it for a while. And then you try like, you know, a little variety with them, but then it's just kind of like, they start to appreciate the stuff that you were doing before when they were like, cause you know, I guess, you know, it just, I guess with my client, I like when their goals go from just like being like, oh, not just like weight loss goals to more like, ooh, remember when I used to do this move and I was like terrible at it and now I'm like really good at it, you know? And I'm like, yeah, now you're enjoying doing it. You know, in the beginning it was work because you had to think about it so much and now you're doing it and you're just killing it, you know? And I don't know, you're getting, you're not even thinking about the weight loss anymore. You're, you're thinking more about like learning this new movement and like just, you know, getting stronger. So yeah, yeah it's I, a good way I, to train. I saw a friend who's a coach walking with an extremely thin woman. And this isn't meant as a shaming thing or anything, right? <laughs> but like, um, you know, uh, shit, I'm going to uncork this now. Um, it's not so much about the friend, but it reminded me of this thing. So, you know, I'm becoming more aware of like supplement companies or like beach body type coaches that basically buy in a program, really have no information and then are coaches, right? Yeah. And there's health coaches that are basically telling you how to eat based on buying supplements. And the only education they have is by buying supplements. Yeah. Right. And to tell yourself or to sell yourself as a coach for that is really fucked, even if it's worked for you. So it's amazing if you lost 30 pounds changing your diet. Well, guess what? Like if I sold you on a caloric deficit of great need, and said, eat these protein bars. Like almost anybody can do that if you're actually watching the calories. Because all you're looking at is overall body mass, right? You're just looking, you're going to lose weight, right? If you don't have a fitness component to that, like a strength component to that, I don't know what value that is. And I'm going to say this, this is what kind of related to my, the friend that I saw this, this today, is in my own health right now, like I'm an emotional eater, and I was always a chubby kid until I hit college. And then after college, I gained weight. It's the story of Coach Fury. Like I, I, I gained weight. I was still skateboarding. I was getting surgeries and shit. And then I, you know, uh, found kettlebells and fitness and all that stuff, right? And last year at this time, dealing with my Graves disease, my thyroid, I was at the lowest I was ever at at body weight since high school. I was at like wow. 180. Now I'm actually, but I was also weak, super weak, dealing with tremoring, like literally shaking, holding yeah. things. Um, not being able to really pick up much, couldn't do a push up, right? Wow. And now, part of it with emotional eating of going out on my own, part of it with all the hormonal stuff, and it's like I'm heavier than I've been basically since I started as a trainer. But <laughs> thank God for how I'm training. <laughs> I feel great most of the time. Thyroid still kicks in every now and then. Well, like I'm stronger, I'm more mobile. And I actually can see that. I mean, I'm not testing myself on a deadlift, but like I'm starting to press some weights for reps that used to, you know, might be a 10 rep max now that used to be like a six rep max now. Wow. Um, and I'm having more fun doing the juggling and stuff. So it's like, you know, I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm heavier technically on one end. Yeah. But I'm stronger, more mobile. Yeah. Now when you focus just on this shit of just being skinny, Skinny is not going to help you play with your kids. It's not going to help you lift something in the house. It's not going to help you pick up your dog if there's an emergency. It's just not. 
And it's great. And we all might have nutritional things we need to deal with in terms of our own, like, you know, body chemistry health. But folks, like if there's one thing this podcast will ever do, it's, it's so much more important to be strong and mobile than to just be skinny. Oh yeah. And that's not a shaming thing, but you have to. So, so, so for general population that's listening to this, I'm not trying to shame you, but if you're fucking selling something on this thing that you're going to, it's going to make you lose weight without a strength training thing or suggesting a strength training thing on side of it. Like that is seriously fucked. And, uh, I have to coach women through this stuff all the time. I actually have a client now who she's like obsessed with like the dieting, the dieting, the dieting. And she's like, Oh, but I read that, you know, I remember I used to be this way. And I'm like, dude, you're getting, you're in your thirties, your bones are changing. You know, like I have to constantly give people the same speech of like, I weigh more now. I mean, not pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) I weigh more now. Like when I was, when I was a trainer, then when I was like skinny and like bad posture, before I picked up a weight, before I was doing anything, I was like 110 pounds. And when I started getting into strength training, my weight went up to like 120, 122. But I looked diesel, you know, like I had muscle on my frame. Yeah. I carried myself better. I mean, people would compliment me. Like I never, when I was skinny, nobody was ever telling me, oh, you look so skinny and pretty. It was just more, now I get people like, wow, you look super strong and awesome, you know? And, and I weighed like 12 pounds heavier than when I thought I was like, you know, a healthy, skinny person, but I was really just a weak bad posture it's so it's yeah. so weird that we can't in particular women yeah get past that idea and i get like not wanting to look bulky but again it's that whole lie too that like kettlebells or calisthenics are going to get you bulky like you actually have to try it doesn't it you have to eat and train a very <laughs> excuse me specific way to get bulky but I'm glad we had this opportunity to bring it up. I was, I was talking with our friend, uh, Laura Palmer, Screaming Rebel Angel. She's actually, folks, yeah. the, new, the new voiceover. She's awesome. Uh, you may have met her at the wedding. Um, and, and, and I don't think people realize that because there's still on the superficial, if you're not, if you're only stepping your toe or your freaking dick in the world of fitness, that seems like I lost a lot of weight. That must be great for everybody. But like, <laughs> fuck, no. And do you want to be stuck on a supplement program for the rest of your uh-huh. life? Yeah. You know, it's like, I have to take medicine for my thyroid every day. I don't love doing that. I do it because I have to. But like, if there was a non-medical way, like I would find, yeah. well, find that, right? But again, yeah. that's one pill versus like every meal of my day having to be dictated by something. So uh, if any of my friends that fall in this category are listening, I love you. <laughs> I just, I have to say this. There's so, in fitness, whether it's nutrition, strength training, whatever modality you're in, we have to remember that people's livelihood and well, physical well-being are in our fucking hands. And with that is their emotional well-being because nobody wants to get fit or lose weight because they feel wonderful about themselves. Uh, I'm getting fired up. (laughs) (laughs) There's all comic books and tattoos. Now I'm on a soapbox. I want to throw my coffee cup across the room. It's all good, man. It's good to be passionate like that. Yeah. But 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 friends of friends that are like seeing things like that really go beyond the scale because yeah. quite frankly, you might see somebody that you know society deems as a as a as a great weight based on being skinny, but man, I you don't know how well they move or feel. And I don't mean to swing a kettlebell. I mean to like get in and out of a car up a flight of stairs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, and just seeing food as like an enemy and like just like something that is just not to be enjoyed. I mean, yeah, everything. And like they say, everything in moderation, you know? And I, I feel like I've, I meet a lot of these clients, you know, like I said, women especially, and they're like afraid of food and afraid of like, ah, oh, I have this thing here. I have to get rid of this like tiny pinch of fat. And I'm like, why are you worrying about this? Like, let's just talk about the whole, the body as a whole, you know? And like, let's just work, let's just fix that and let's have fun doing it, you know? And but you really got to psych people up for that, man. They're just prepared to like really like see exercises like a chore. And, uh, you know, I do my best to uh, try to help them out of that mentality, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's this whole idea about getting healthy over like the, the appearance or potential shaming of appearance. Like I hate the whole dad bod thing. Because oh, I, I, on, on some levels, I have a dad bod. Like I don't have <laughs> ripped abs but I'm fairly built everywhere else and I'm pretty fucking strong. So if this was just a site of weakness, that would be like, all right, so I'm unhealthy. And maybe you don't know the reasons why me or another dad who's out of shape, why? Maybe yeah. it's because every waking moment he's working and stressing to provide to his family or the mom, right? Like this goes on both, both genders. I shall but, see. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I just hate that idea when that whole dad bod thing was like, I guess maybe two years ago was that when that term got coined? Yeah, yeah. And it was like, you know, all of a sudden all these programs for dad bod and plastic dad bod. It's like, you know what? Fuck you, dude. Raise a kid. Most of you trainers telling me to get rid of my dad bod, don't have a kid, are in your 20s and not like middle age, like yours truly. Um, or the people you're targeting. Like, I, I don't know. There's so much great in fitness, and then there's these negative sides. Oh, and God. I know I can't. Well, that's why, again, I know I keep going back to how much the Dragon Door community and everything from you guys is just positive, man. And I really appreciate that. You know, I feel like I said, everything is made to scare people, you know, into doing stuff. And I don't know. It's just not a good not a good method. I'm not into the military, crazy, you're doing it wrong mentality, you know? Yeah. It's not it, healthy, I feel it, like. I haven't thought of it this way until you said it that way. But clearly, you know, even with the military aspect, the freaks and geeks of fitness are what made Dragon Door. Yeah. You no, know? because we didn't, we wanted something potentially either gnarly or better that not everyone was doing. And, you know, I think that probably is large now that I think about it. And I've never even process this way that one of the great experiences of that early days of the well I wasn't like early RKC but my early days of the, mm -hmm. of the RKC and I remember you know they still do this every now and when John shows up for your courses uh you know they used to have the big merch tables you know with all the DVDs and all the books and you know it, it would almost be like going to the comic book shop right like you'd yeah. be going and you'd see all the books and whatnot you'd, you'd leave a cert with like I'd leave a cert with like 12 bells buckled into my car, you know, passenger <laughs> seat and like a handful of books and DVDs. And then you would meet the people that had, Oh, I have that book. I have that DVD. And it's kind of like, I read that comic book, <laughs> but we were also seeing past this bigger fitness myth or lie, or uh, even if it's not a myth or a lie, it's like a baseline, a non-progressive baseline yeah. of just like me acceptable mediocrity to some degree. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes we rebelled too hard against it, which I think is some of that military attitude. And, you totally. know, a long time people totally blasted machines when some machines for some people might be the perfect thing for those person um, yeah. where the hard lines got grayer. And again, since the split and where, you know, the RKC and then with the PCC have sort of evolved to let us be ourselves more, I guess, in some way. Um, 
really has been a cool thing to be a part of. Like, I felt like the moment I felt comfortable to untuck my shirt from my, my hiking pants, <laughs> I was like, free at last. I don't have to have my shirt tucked in. I haven't worn my shirt tucked in since 1990. And now I, I'm free again. Um, those types of things. But you're a part of that. When you say those guys, like you're a part of this now. Like you're. Well, I feel spoiled because I didn't really go, you know, a lot, there's a lot of like, you guys, I feel like we're there. Like I got into fitness, I feel like way later in life. And uh, I got spoiled to where I didn't really have to like go to see the phases of, like you said, like the, that bodybuilder mentality. Everybody was, you know, ice, you know, doing the isolation exercises and everybody was running into the machines. And like, I feel like I just kind of skipped all that and like jumped right into like all this like cooler stuff, you know? And I, I feel kind of blessed, you know, but I also don't have the experience from like that time to be like, Oh yeah. I remember like, you've seen like that shift, you know? And, I mean, uh, I have it from a, a very, like, not knowing what I'm doing view. <laughs> in my second career, I got into it probably not around the same time you did. Like, I, yeah. you know, I seriously, like, as a, as a professional, I guess about eight years, if you throw in part-time almost. Okay. Um, but in terms of, like, what I would do in college or before I found kettlebells, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but now having this time in here now, it's definitely been cool to see – how I think so many walls went up and so many have come down now. Uh, you know, I'll say for myself, like, you know, with the, when the RKC and the SFG thing went down, I had a lot of friends on both sides of the fence and I was doing a lot of work for strong first and then you know, I ended up at the RKC and, you know, I, I lost a lot of friends right out the gate. I had to have some weird conversations with some friends, but I, I don't judge them for it about like the why and betrayal. Sure. Someone called me a traitor. Uh, oh. And I'm like, guys, like I was an attendee at a cert. I was happy to help you know, assist, but like, you know, this this is just like, it's opportunities to do and, 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 uh, people you want to align with. And that's not because you align with one person doesn't mean you think the other person sucks. And I think now that attitude is really fucking over. Um, good. Which is cool. I think there's probably still some people that are trying to overly define themselves by their initials. Um, and quite frankly, I think, but like most of us have on all of the groups have elevated to the point where it's not so much about being the greatest or most known person within a set of initials. It's actually about being a great coach. Um, and that's been a cool evolution. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. Yeah. I'm excited, you know, just to, in in terms of going back to the whole parenting thing and training, you know, now this is going to be my first kid. Like, I feel like I have to embrace this whole, like, you know, Al talks a lot about the beginner's mind, you know, because, like, all these skills that I spent all this time, like, working on, you know, eventually you hit plateaus in certain things. And, uh, but I'm excited to, like, you know, see what it's like training and being a parent at the same time, you know. I'm happy to finally, because I have a lot of clients that talk to me a lot about, like, oh, yeah, I have a kid. And, you know, I didn't know what it was like, you know. So I'm excited to see, like, how it evolves and changes my training around you know and i don't know my goals (laughs) well we'll have to have you back on like some months after when you're back to training because i think there'd be some really valuable advice for the listeners uh, either coaches or enthusiasts to like like what was the what adjustments have been made and where are you finding because i think yeah especially i mean i'll admit i haven't done any i haven't done much I've been really, uh, I've had to deal with struggle with a lot of like, uh, back stuff. Like at first I was like, yeah, I'm going to be, you know, you see all these social media moms and they're like, you know, 
lifting like a ton of weight and, you know, with a huge belly. And I was like, maybe that'll be me. And everybody was like, that's definitely going to be you doing pull-ups and stuff. And then slowly I started seeing like the bigger I got, like <laughs> a lot of these skills just kind of like, I can't even do one pull-up now. I can do a few push-ups. Hell yeah. Well, it would be a, a severely weighted pull-up, you know I mean? That's yeah. the thing too. And yeah. You know, I think, you know, with the baby stuff, like some people can pull that off where they can train right to the very end. And it's, it's so individual to the woman because yeah. let's face it, you're only seeing the ones on social media because it's like such a check me out. You're not seeing the one who's literally in clinical bed rest for yeah. two months before the due date because it's actually has to happen that way. No, it's, it's true. It's, I mean, it's I was in physical part. therapy for that for like the last two months because I just I was walking like limping basically you know I couldn't I had sciatica and SI joint problems and uh just doing the most basic basic like just seated piriformis stretch and like a kneeling hip flexor stretch was like super intense for me you know and but uh you know I guess it's kind of humbled me a little bit you know where I just I see like I'm like all right well this is it took me a second to like accept that like that drop in like was doing human flags I was doing this and now I'm doing this but then I have to keep constantly reminding myself like my body's doing a lot already you know and uh I just feel like uh I've learned a lot about myself just you know doing less (laughs) yeah and you're gonna see that I think it's gonna end up being like a wonderful teaching thing for you in terms of relating to the other people because it's really easy for coaches to judge yeah um, people coming in and what they deem as excuses are not worthy or not when you've actually gone through something and you're like, you, you have nothing and you've learned nothing at this cert that's going to prepare you for this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, well, Hey, this was awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go feed, walk the pup and get ready to go. This awesome, flew really quickly. Holy shit. <laughs> right. Like almost an hour and a half. Uh, Grace, where can people find you on the interwebs? So I have my own website at www.dieselgrace.com. Got a couple blog posts up there. I've also got a YouTube channel. If you just uh, Google uh, Grace Cavadlo, that should pop up. And uh, Facebook, yeah. Instagram, I'm all up on that. Just Grace Cavadlo. Look me up, man. (laughs) Cool. I'll put the links on the show notes. Grace, can you tell the listeners to die mighty? Listeners, die mighty. <laughs> awesome. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. This was a great conversation. We Literally, this is like the conversation that I, I hope the podcast always hits. <laughs> tattoos, comic books, fitness, yeah. parenting. It's awesome. These uh, are all my favorite things. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad I found that in you as well. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> Listeners, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Have an awesome week. We'll catch you next one. Thanks, Grace. Bye. Hey, everybody, before I let you go, the weird thing about doing this podcast in advance is that sometimes big things happen to the people of the guest or in my life beforehand. Well, unplanned in terms of releasing this podcast, it turns out it's Grace's birthday. And the next year she has a birthday, there'll be another Cavado in the world. So I just want to wish Grace a very happy birthday. Thank you for in some bonus weird way. Uh, sharing this with the podcast. Happy birthday, Grace. The Coach Fury podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by the FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc for band, tour, music, and merch info. Artwork created by Glenn Gurrieta. Visit glengurrieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or follow him on Instagram at glengurrieta. 
voiceover by Laura Palmer.